Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wanderers to my labyrinth of crazy talk. My name is Rob, and I will be your host to talk on topics and strange and bizarre as you join me on The Darken Walk. first light, Chief. Sharks come cruising. So we formed ourselves into tight groups. You know, it's kind of like old squares in a battle, like you see in a calendar, like the Battle of Waterloo, and the idea was, shark comes to the nearest man, that man, he start pounding and hollering and screaming, and sometimes the shark would go away. Sometimes he wouldn't go away. Sometimes that shark, he looks right into you, right into your eyes. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, like a doll's eye. When he comes at you, he doesn't seem to be living until he bites you. And those black eyes roll over white and then... Oh, then you hear that terrible high-pitched screaming. The ocean turns red, and despite all the pounding and the hollering, they all come in they... Rip you to pieces. In my previous episode, I mentioned my disbelief on certain cryptids, among them targeting the aquatic realm cryptids, namely the Loch Ness Monster and associated lake monsters such as Champ, Igopogo, Ogopogo, etc., all of which are similar and reckoned to possibly be of the family of Plesiosaur. But here I want to clarify some details, which is important because I know many out there would take offense to my claims of disbelief. So, to be realistic, it is not that I do not believe in lake monsters such as Loch Ness, Champ, and so forth. It is rather that I do not believe that they are in the category of prehistoric creatures, namely the plesiosaur. But now having stated this, I want to clarify, I do have alternate beliefs about these cryptids, and to include the gargantuan squid. And I'm not meaning the giant squid, but the gargantuan squid, or otherwise known as the kraken, if you prefer. I will expound upon these beliefs later in Fathom's Deep Part 2 concerning lake monsters and the kraken. In this mini-series, centering around aquatic cryptids, I'm going to share my concepts and theories and what my take is. And as always, I'll try to come from that weird perspective maybe no one else has thought about. Now, like me, I'm sure many of you wonder what else may exist in the deeps of the unknown ocean. With that said, like many of you, I think about what manner of creature or creatures exist that have yet to reveal themselves to us. And for that matter, perhaps they already have. In this episode, Fathom's Deep Part 1, I'm going to focus on Atodus Megalodon, which means big tooth. So here's my theory. Like today's modern shark, a surviving remnant of the prehistoric past, there is no reason 
as to surmise that a remnant super predator of our prehistoric past did not also survive, and to this day lies beneath the unexplored waters of the vast oceans that we have come to know as Megalodon. Okay, so as I typically do, I'm going to go into narration mode, and I just want to read a snippet that I found, and then we'll go from there. So going into narration mode. Regarded as one of the largest and most powerful predators, Megalodon is only known from fragmentary remains, and its appearance and maximum size are uncertain. Scientists differ on whether it would have more closely resembled a stockier version of the great white shark, Carcharidon carcarius, the basking shark, Cetrohinus maximus, I think I said that right, or the sand tiger shark, Carcarius taurus. The most recent estimate with the least error range suggests a maximum length estimate of up to 20.3 meters or 67 feet, a weight of up to 103 metric tons. Their teeth were thick and robust, built for grabbing prey and breaking bone and their large jaws could exert a bite force of up to 108,500 to 182,200 newtons, or 24,390 to 40,960 pounds of force. Okay, first of all, those metrics are absolutely terrifying. And to add to this terror, this predator most likely still exists. Why, you might ask? Well, let's start with the teeth. Since this seems to be the only evidence out there, evidence it is, and that is a fact. Secondly, if I throw a rock in the water, it's going to sink to the bottom, right? That too is a fact. So think about this. A shark of this enormity would not be able to linger near or around in the shallows or shallow waters simply because of its massive size and would be restricted to the depths or deep ocean areas, maybe occasionally traversing shallow waters where it could. I state this because creatures of such depths are accustomed to the pressures of that depth and typically would remain in these depths for which they have evolved. So then, when considering this, if the creature died, wouldn't you think it would sink into the depths? Hang with me. If it sank in the deeps, then any remains of it would also exist in the fathoms deep. And if any part of it remained, like its bones and teeth, don't you think that the salt waters would have consumed this over the last several million years in the deeps? Well, that's what happened in less than a hundred years to those who died on the Titanic, who sank into the depths. So how is it then that its teeth have been found on coastal shores? You can't tell me. Well, over millions of years, these teeth made their way from the ocean depths through the shallows, dodging all of the coral and or the obstructions that exist there, and avoided being buried by the sand and currents to inevitably become washed up on shore. If this creature existed millions of years ago, and was restricted to the deep ocean areas, then it would seem to me that it would equally 
take millions of years for these teeth to even reach the shallows, assuming there are deep currents that would lift them up from the depths, and by then would have become petrified into stone, be more dense and less buoyant, and be more apt to sink into the sand and murk than possess the makeup to be carried through the shallows to the shore. And all this is not to mention that it is a fact that eventually teeth and bones dissolve over time in salt water. So on this note, the teeth would have never made it to land. On the other hand, it is possible that where the land is now was once part of a deep ocean. And on this note, I can see that teeth fell to the ocean floor, the oceans receded, and the teeth were left to eventually turn into stone and not become victim of the salt water dissolve. But when you think of the behavior of great white sharks, which I believe Megalodon falls into this family, and this is due to the design of its teeth, which are most similar, if not exactly the same, only much, much larger than the great white shark. Then, too, it, like its smaller cousin, the great white shark, are bottom dwellers mostly attacking from below, would then make you consider its size and where it may still exist to this day. And that would be far out in the deepest parts of the ocean, in places unknown to us. Because like the receding oceans, it too would have receded along with them. Just because we may never actually encounter one of these creatures doesn't mean it doesn't exist, especially when there is evidence of its existence. I happen to think that not all of the teeth found were or are fossilized. There always seems to be those out there that would hide truths from others like you and me. Why is it when oftentimes scientists and archaeologists some unknowns, who discover something highly significant, and when these findings always seem to harbor factual evidence that would impact humanity and possibly contradict what we've been taught, ends up that the evidence suddenly goes missing, vanishes from access altogether, never to then be spoken of thereafter. There's a whole topic on this I may one day explore. But getting back on track with Megalodon, another case in point, going into narration mode. Despite modern technologies, less than 5% of the oceans have been explored. And this, too, is a fact. Less than 5%. This alone leaves one to wonder what it is we don't know. Still, another case in point. The earliest fossils of the coelacanths were discovered in the 19th century. Coelacanths, which are related to lungfish and tetrapods, were believed to have become extinct at the end of the Cretaceous period. Its discovery, 66 million years after its supposed extinction, makes the coelacanth the best-known example of the Lazarus taxon, an evolutionary line that seems to have disappeared from the fossil record only to reappear much later. Since 1938, West Indian Ocean coelacanths have been found off of the southern coast of the KwaZulu-Natal in South Africa. Finally, I encourage you to check out this video. The name of the video is this. Okay, here it is. Live Megalodon footage, exclamation point. Brazilian Coast Guard featured on Discovery Channel. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Live Megalodon footage, exclamation point.
Brazilian Coast Guard featured on Discovery Channel. Apart from all the hoaxes out there, this particular video is the most compelling to me. Readily, you might think whale, but watch closely and you'll see the tail is not going up and down, but rather from side to side like a shark. Indeed, I believe that Megalodon does exist, and for all we know, great white sharks may be their prodigy. Perhaps it may very well be that like the salmon, once an adolescent Megalodon, to which we've tagged as a great white shark, comes of age, it then migrates out to sea where it then grows to full adult size or becomes a Megalodon. So in consideration of these cases and concepts, it becomes terrifying to ponder that it is very possible that the mighty Megalodon is still out there. And no one really knows if they have a restrictive depth in which they dwell. And if this is the case, you're going to need a bigger boat. Well, that's it for this podcast within the dark and walk. I hope I left you with some thought-provoking concepts to carry you through the rest of your day and even into your sleep. Always remember, never close your mind to the possibilities that may exist. Peace out. <laughs>